If you will, turn with me to Psalm 46. It's my understanding that Psalm 46 was the catalyst that sparked Martin Luther to write that hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And we'll read the first three verses of Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. I love the way this verse starts. That's what I want to look at in verse 1 this morning. It says that God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Um, I don't know how often you think about God, the attributes of God, who God is. Uh, it's really unfathomable for us to understand God. The one who in the beginning said, let there be light, and there was light. Uh, the one who made the moon and the sun and the stars and, and everything that we see. Um, and it st this psalm starts by saying God. And, and three little words, what is represented behind that, and three little letters, God, what is represented behind that is a, is a, a holy creature, it's not creature, a holy God. I mean, you can't, it's, words can't describe God, can they? He's, he's entirely separate from us. Not only is he morally pure when we talk about being holy, he's so much better than us we can't even put it into words. This God. He's self-existent. He, God needs nothing from anyone. Did y'all know that? He doesn't need anything from me. He doesn't need anything from you. We're very reliant on God, very reliant on other people. We need each other, don't we? But God doesn't. God's self-existent. He's omnipotent. He has all power over everything. He's omniscient. He, he, he knows everything. I would hate to have that ability, wouldn't you? <laughs> but, you know, we couldn't, we couldn't handle that ability. I think that's one of the problems that we see so much... Um, the depression, and, and, and certainly there's a lot of reasons for that, but we live in a world where there's a 24-7 news cycle, and we know what's going on around the globe at all times, and we are not created to hold all that information. Only God is. He's, he knows everything. He sees everything. I think I'd rather know everything than see everything. What about y'all? He sees everything. Everything you do, he sees. He, 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 knows, he knows from the, from the end to the beginning. He's seen it. He, he knows how this whole thing ends, this, this thing we call life. He knows. He's immutable. He does not change. Don't y'all love that? That's, that's why the, the, it says that because, because God doesn't change, therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. He... Wouldn't it be awful if God changed his mind? How often do y'all change your mind? <laughs> Carrie and I were trying to figure out where to go eat the other day. <laughs> we were going to go have lunch. and Really, I ruined it because I changed my mind four or five times. By the time we finally got somewhere, we were just aggravated. <laughs> Aren't you glad God doesn't change his mind? He doesn't change who he is. He's not going to grow old. He's not going to grow weary. He's not going to grow tired. He's just God. He created all that is, and he upholds all that is. The writer of Colossians said that for by him were all things created, 
in, in Colossians 1 and 16 and then 17, he says that by him all things consist. He holds all things together. You want to know why, is the, why, does, why do all the atoms in the world, why does, uh, how does the universe not collapse upon itself? Because God's holding it all together. That's why we can be confident that there will be seed time and harvest, summer and winter and spring and fall. You know, we need to be good stewards of what God's given us, but I'm, I, you know, the, there's a big cult, the global warming people and, and the environmentalists, that that's their God, is the environment. And boy, that's, that is a mental illness, really. I, I just like to put it in the hands of God, who I know is going to take care of this globe. <laughs> One day he'll. One day he'll. One day there'll be global warming, <laughs> but you're not going to stop that. <laughs> but here it stops. It starts. This psalm starts with God. <laughs> and now, you would think the psalmist would say, "God is so far above us, we cannot even approach Him. We can. He doesn't even want us to think about Him. He's going to crush us." But it says, "God." I love the second verse. Uh, the second word, two letters this time. God is <laughs> I like to think about the God that is don't y'all not the God that was I, I think about I love that song he's just the same today <laughs> you know I love that song to think about the God that delivered Israel the God that delivered the Old Testament saints he wasn't a God that was that way and we don't worship a God that will be a certain way one day or that maybe he will be God but he is God the God who is God is God. God is love. God is able. I, lo I love when Paul says, now unto God who is able. <laughs> Don't aren't y'all thankful to have an able God? Anything that you need, he's able to do it. Just to say that God is, is to say that God is God. And the psalmist is here writing to a people whose God is a refuge and a strength and a help. And I, I love the next word. He says, God is our um, you know, the thing that unites us, we come from all different backgrounds. People came from broken homes, and people came from healthy homes, and people came from uh, poverty, people came from wealth, people come from uh, a certain worldview. Or the, the church is made up of all kinds of people, but we're united in what? In Him, in God, right? There's a you think about the disciples that Jesus called to follow him. It was a diverse group of people. You had, you had, um, I mean, you had uh, revolutionaries that were walking with people who had sold out to the Roman government. <laughs> but yet they're united in what? In him. And he taught them. He said, when you go to pray, pray this way. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I think when you get a group of people who are united around God, and who are motivated and zealous about promoting his name. See, it's a collective, our Father, and he says, hallowed be thy name, singular, your name. That's when a church could get real dangerous, when we're united around that. The fact that we are united in him and for him and for his glory, that's what the church is for, to honor God. And so he says, he says God is our. I sit behind Brother Mark every Sunday, and I get to... Uh, I get to hear him sing. I'm not saying it's good or bad, Mark. <laughs> I was sitting behind a couple at a family at Beulah yesterday, and I felt sorry for them. <laughs> Why did I sit so close to these people? They've got to hear me sing. Isn't it amazing 
Just think about this. I can't, I, I really am not a good singer. Some of y'all are excellent singers. Some of us aren't. But when we blend our voices together, it sounds beautiful, doesn't it? God is, he's, we're, we're united around him. But I, Brother Mark, every once in a while, so like we sang Blessed Assurance just a, just a moment ago. You know, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. I don't know if you do this on purpose, Brother Mark. I've heard him say, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is ours. Ours. I love that. He's our God. He's ours. He's not just mine. It's not all about me, me, me. It's our collectively. We're a group. We're a family. That's what the church should be. And we're united around God. But listen to what the psalmist says. He says, God is our refuge. He's our fortress. A mighty fortress is our God. God is our refuge. That word refuge means a shelter or protection from danger or distress. A stronghold which protects by its strength. So think about a fort. If you're in warfare and you retreat to where the fort to where the other artillery is, to where there's backup. That's what God is for us. He is our refuge. He's our shelter. Not only from the weight of sin. I'm telling you, if you're burdened under the weight of sin, that's a good thing. That means God's worked on you. But you shouldn't be left there. You need to run to Jesus, who is our refuge from that. But not only is he a refuge from the weight of sin that you can't bear, he's a refuge from this world. You know, Paul told the Romans in Romans chapter 12, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The world, the one thing the world, we talk about the world, that is people outside the church, secularism, uh, you know, the, the, you could see it in academia, in the, in the media, politicians. What do they want to do? The same thing the world's always wanted to do to God's people is control and conform them to make them look like the world. The world, if you get nothing else out of this, the world is after you. They want you to look like them. The world's making disciples just like the church is trying to make disciples. And they want you to learn to be like them, to be molded like them. Well, I need a, I need a refuge from that. Because there's, if, and we could all admit if we were honest, there's a part of us that longs after that world. And if you try to go it on your own, you know what you're going to look like? The world. But there's a refuge from the world. Aren't y'all happy about that? There's a refuge where you don't have to resemble the world. Listen to Psalm 9, starting in verse 9. This is 9 and 10. It says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in time of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. God will not forsake you if you're seeking after God. He will be your refuge. He will be your protection. Isaiah 25 and verse 4 says, For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm. We live in Alabama. What does James Spann say to do when there's a tornado? <laughs> Go to the basement, get a helmet, <laughs> go to the inner walls, or the inner room of the house. What does he say? And seek refuge from the dangers that are coming, right? Y'all do like James Spann, don't you? <laughs> I figured I'd get an amen. <laughs> he's, saying, he's saying there are bad things coming. Seek refuge. Seek protection. Well, here he's saying that God is your protection from the storms of life. He says, uh, the writer says, he is a shadow from the heat. 
He's, he's, he's going to take the things that are, that, are, that are bad for you. You can run to him, and he will protect you from those things. Psalm 62, verse 7 says this, In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, you people. I love this. Pour out your heart before him. Do y'all ever need somebody just to talk to? But you worry to talk to anybody because you don't want them to repeat what you're going to say? <laughs> I'm going to tell you, you can find refuge in God. Pour out your heart to God. He won't tell anybody. He, he, won't, he won't judge you for it. He already knows what you're thinking. <laughs> if it's a bad thought, he's already paid for that bad thought. Just come before him in freedom. He, he, is, he is someone to talk to. God is a refuge for us. Selah. One of my favorite Proverbs, Proverbs 14 and 26. It says, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. <laughs> if you place your fear, your respect, your life in the hands of God, he says the, the promise there is that you're going to have a place of refuge. You're going to have a shelter from the storm. I want to tell you some of the things that I find refuge. Don't y'all find refuge, shelter in his love? Love, love, man has so perverted love that it's not even love. You know it? But God's love is pure love. It casts out fear, the Bible says. It, his love, God's love is an initiating love. John says we love him because, not because, not because he was waiting on us to love him. It says we love him because he first loved us. He was the initiator in our relationship. Do y'all know that? He told Jeremiah, Lo, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Before you ever drew your first breath, God loved you. I love that. I find, I find shelter in that. I find refuge in that. Other people may not love you. Other people may love you conditionally. God loves you unconditionally. God loved you before you ever loved him. The, the writer of uh, well, Paul in the book of Ephesians says that for this great love wherewith he, was loved, wherewith he has loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. So when you had no ability to please God, you had no ability to even love God, no ability to pray to God, no ability to seek after God, to accept God, to receive God, to worship God, Yet God, because of his great love or with he loved you, he bestowed his love upon you at that time. <laughs> Paul would tell the Romans uh, that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. He, he, says, he says that is how, he says, but God commendeth his love towards us. That God demonstrates his love towards the saints that were at Rome and by extension the saints that are here at Vestavia today, he demonstrated his love for you that when you were without strength, when you were yet a sinner, he died for you. That's, that's, that's a kind of love you can find refuge in, isn't it? That's a kind of love I can, we can, we'll look at, we can draw strength from. We can be safe in that kind of love. I don't like being in an environment where I think that, that people's... Uh, if you want to call it love, but people's infatuation with me or people's acceptance of me is based on how I perform. 
I'm not, I don't feel safe in that environment. But I feel safe in an environment where I know that God's going to love us, but God's going to love me and us because he purposed to do it. I love that. God's love. You know, I, <laughs> I love the fact that you can't lose God's love. He says in Romans 8.35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. That's a refuge, isn't it? That's a place you can run to and find peace and safety and security. I'm going to tell you, God's love is deep for you. I, I guess I don't love anybody more than, than, than my wife and my children here today. I love all of you, but I probably love them more, I'll be honest. <laughs> but my love for them isn't in the same ballpark for God's love for his people. Paul said, I pray, this is, this is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and the length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of of God. I want you to know, if you get nothing outside of this message, when you lay down at night and you recount what you've done throughout the day or you recount your life, you're not, you're not laying there before God in a, in a, in a, in a, in a uh, condition of judgment or anger. Sure, He wants us to live right. He wants us to do what's right. But you stand before Him in love. He loves you. His love is so deep for you. Listen to, listen to what, what, what Jesus told Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Many will use this verse to show that, this is, that, that the breadth of God's love is for all the world. That's not what this verse teaches. That's not what Jesus was teaching. What God is teaching there is the degree to which God loves you is so deep that He sent His only Son to die for you. Nothing would separate you from the love of... If it took His only Son, He wasn't going to stop. That wasn't going to stop God from redeeming His people. That's how... For God so loved the world. For God so loved us that He sent His only begotten Son, who, by the way, was also holy, separate from sinners, was omnipotent, was omniscient, omnipresent, made the worlds, was up. Isn't that amazing? While Jesus was upholding the world, He was dying for your sin. <laughs> That's an amazing God, isn't it? I find refuge in that. I find refuge in His acceptance. How many of y'all like to be feel like you're left out when I was growing up I played baseball you know youth baseball and I was fat and I was slow and that's about all I had going for me <laughs> and I'll be honest with you I don't think people really wanted me on their team 
You ever been, ever been picking teams and you're the last to get picked? Or maybe they say, well, you'll be the referee. <laughs> if you get regular, <laughs> if they say be the referee, that means you're real bad. <laughs> you might want to pick up a guitar. Uh, <laughs> it feels bad, doesn't it? What, what mankind is good at is dividing. The devil wants to divide. Men want to divide. They, uh, people don't want to accept you because they want to feel better about themselves. But I read of a God who before the foundation of the world loved me so much that he chose me. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. According to he has chosen us. This is Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Chosen us. It, you weren't waving your hand saying, God, please choose me. He chose you. <laughs> Chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, a people who were not holy, a people who were full of blame, but yet he chose that we would be holy and, and, and blameless before him in love, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ unto himself. <laughs> Why did he do that? It was according to the good pleasure of his will, because he wanted to. Why did God choose you? Because he wanted to. I love that. God can do what he wants, can he? <laughs> he wanted to do that. But then it says, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. You, you are accepted in the only group that really matters, in the beloved of God. He sent his son to die for you so that you could be accepted. I find, I find great refuge in that thought. That although there may be people in this group or people in that group who won't accept me for this reason or for that reason, that God accepts me unconditionally because of his son. I find refuge in that. God is our... See, if you're searching for refuge or strength or help, from anything other than what we're talking about this morning, you will never find the refuge you need, you will never draw the strength you need, and you will never find the help that God has given unto you if you're looking for it somewhere outside of God. It says God is. It doesn't say God is, is one of. It doesn't say God might be. It says God is our refuge. He is our refuge. I find refuge in his sovereignty. You know, the fact that God can do what he wants to do when he wants to do it, that scares some people. It scares me sometimes, but I find refuge in that. In, in Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35, it says that he hath done, it says, no, it says this, it says, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And speaking of God, it says, and he does his will among the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? <laughs> I love that. I love you. Talk, we're talking about earlier, we talked about singular, our, uh, the plural, our Father, and, and, uh, and then thy name being singular. I love that. That the plural, the inhabitants, the vast inhabitants of the earth, none, none of them, not the President of the United States, not the richest man in the world, not, not, not all of them together. If, if, if every one of the inhabitants of the earth got together to destroy God or to change his will or to change what he wants to do, every one of the inhabitants of the earth, none of them could stay his hand or say, what doest thou? 
the army of heaven, the singular army of heaven, which is united, it can't stop God. No, if God wants to do something, he's going to do something. So when you look out at the world, and you can't help but look out at the world and say, we're in a mess. But here, if you, here, here's something I've been saying recently. The world's going to world. It's going to be the world. Don't expect it to be anything other than the world. <laughs> a lot of people are upset because the world's not giving them what they need. Well, God's your refuge. God's your strength. God's your help. The world's not. And so when the world is going to try to destroy, look, the world's hated Christianity since Christianity started. And so if they're trying to shut down Christianity in this country or in any other country across the world, they may do that and they may succeed for a time. I don't know, but I know this, that just like that, God can change their plans because none can stay his hand. You can't, I can't, and they can't. None can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? He's going to do whatever he wants to do. Listen to, listen to, we were in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 just a moment ago talking about being accepted uh, in the beloved through the sacrifice of Jesus, through the plan of God. It says in verse 7, in whom, speaking of Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Let me say this so there's no uh, misunderstanding. God's not in your sin. God doesn't want you to sin. By man's sin entered into the world and death by sin. Because it was, that was not God's idea that man would sin. Man sinned. Man has, the destruction that you see, the broken families, cancer, heart attacks, uh, destruction, natural disasters. That's not God's fault. That's man's fault, right? But God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. None can stay his hand. None can say unto him, what doest thou? And that God is working all things necessary for you to be in heaven with him right now. <laughs> Y'all see that? He's been doing it since the world began. And he will, there, will, there will never be a time that anything that is necessary for you. See, the word predestinate, a lot of people get scared about that. All it means is he predestinated you to be in heaven. <laughs> I've heard people explain away predestination. The only thing predestination means is predestination. He predetermined your destiny. I like that. Because he predetermined. I didn't, I didn't plan, here's where my destiny is going to be. He predetermined it for me. And he, he that predestinated me, according to his purpose, works all things after the counsel of his will. It's not by your will that you'll be in heaven. It's not by the preacher's will. It's not by the church's will. It's by his will that you'll be there. And he's working everything necessary for you to be in heaven. Now, do you find refuge in that? I couldn't find refuge in me thinking that I got to do something to make sure that I make it to the end. I would find no refuge in that. But I find refuge in a God who said that no man can pluck those that were given unto him by the Father out of his Father's hand. I find refuge in that. Do you? God is my refuge. I find, I find refuge in his finished work. We talked about that last week. Don't y'all? I find re it doesn't scare me whatsoever when it says that the last words of my Savior from a cross is it is finished. That gives me hope. That gives me refuge. 
I run into that and say, thank you, God, that the work is finished. I find refuge in that. When the storms of life come, it doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you're, you're running out of money, you're running out of health, you're running out of time, you're running out of patience, you're running out of whatever it is. I can tell you, if you run into the fact that God has finished the, the worst problem you've ever had or ever will have, God's taken care of that and finished it. Boy, you can find refuge in that, can't you? I find refuge in his church. Do y'all find refuge in his people? I don't understand whatsoever why people wouldn't want to be here all the time. All the time. <laughs> all the time. I, look, I, I, it is my opinion, and I am fully persuaded, that your life will never be what God has intended for your life to be unless you fully devote yourself to his church. You can't separate God from the church. God gave his life for the church. God established his church. You can't, you can't, you can't worship Jesus outside the church. You can be saved not be in the church. But you can be saved going to heaven living a miserable life. Do y'all want that? I don't. I'm going to tell you, I've been the pastor now here for a year and, what, two weeks? <laughs> y'all say it feels like forever. <laughs> Sunday mornings. That's just the time. I try to study every Sunday morning. It's, I've gotten a good rhythm where I go in and study, and it's kind of quiet in our house on Sunday mornings. But I can tell you one thing that starts happening. The phone calls and the text messages and the... See, if, 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 if church attendance and, and the way that our congregation attended church, and, and y'all do a good job. I'm not, I'm not knocking on y'all. But if, if, if that was my refuge and my strength and my help, I'd be depressed by the time I got to church. <laughs> Because sometimes I get good reasons and then sometimes I get excuses. And I think there's a difference between a good reason and an excuse. <laughs> and um, I, won't, I won't preach any more on that, but you can, you can decide whether you've had some excuses or some good reasons. <laughs> I'd say about 75-80% of them are excuses. And then some of them are good reasons not to be there. And, and I tell you, it, it bothers me when people aren't at church, not because I want to say, hey, we had a full house. Or, it bothers me because God has placed me here to care for your soul. And if you're not in the house of God, your soul's not being fed. Okay? You're not, you're not where you should be to draw strength and find refuge and help because God has, God has ordained that on the first day of the week, His church is to gather together. That's where God, and, and, it, and it may, it, you say, how does it help? Because that's how God said to do it. People say, well, why, does, why would you pray? Does prayer change things? I believe it does. <laughs> But if nothing else, God said to do it. <laughs> so do it. Right? Why should I get up? Why should I make the effort? Why should To do it. Because God said to do it. But it'll bless you. I'm telling you, it'll bless you. If you make the, if you make the effort this Sunday, I'm going to be here, is, is, you know, God willing, is, you know, people would say, unless I'm providentially hindered, I don't think God's probably ever hindered somebody. <laughs> I mean, maybe if the creek rose, but how many of you, I mean, I'm not, I didn't come here in a wagon, did y'all? Like, you got very few excuses. 
And they'll say, well, I'll catch it online. That's good. If you, if you have a good reason not to be here, it's good to catch it online. But if you've got an excuse, I'm going to tell you, I don't think God's going to bless that. <laughs> Somebody said, watching church online is like watching a fire online. You can see it and hear it, but you can't feel it. You don't get any warmth from it. Sometimes I wonder if we shouldn't have it online. <laughs> uh, but I'm sure if you're watching online, thank you. Praise God. <laughs> But I find refuge. His church has been a refuge for me. A refuge for me. I spent more time on that than I wanted to. God is our refuge and strength. He says he's our support. He, he is the thing which upholds us. He is the source of the energy that we need to keep going. <laughs> he is our strength. You know, like food is your strength to keep your body moving. God, God's word, his church, the faith that he's given you, that is the food you need, the spiritual food you need to keep going. I heard somebody once say, they said, I, our, preacher's, I can't, our preacher's just no good. I can't even remember what he preached about three weeks ago. <laughs> you want to ask him, well, what did you eat three weeks ago? Well, I don't remember, but it got you, it got you where you needed to go, didn't it? Y'all see what I'm saying? Y'all get that. Some of y'all get that later. <laughs> you, I, this is what I believe. God and the faith that God has given you is your source of strength in this life. Um, let's look at the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, about strength, or about faith. It says, now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word substance means the substructure. It's the thing put under. It's the foundation. It's what supports. So there's a foundation of this building, and it supports everything. That's where, that's where the walls draw strength to hold up is from the substructure, right? The foundation. And it says faith. And by the way, faith is a gift of God. Faith points to God, it looks to God, and you draw strength through faith in God. Not some wish, it's not even really a hope, faith is just different. Faith is not just a, 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 a flimsy belief. See, faith isn't something you conjured up on your own. Faith is something God implanted in your heart. It's a miracle of God. And that right there is the, what, what, was, what is strength? Strength is the support, right? It's what supplies strength to everything else. That's what faith is. It's the substructure. It's the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Um, in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul's writing about Abraham. It says in verse 19, it says, In being not weak in faith, he considered not... Now, he's going to have a child, and he's very old. I believe, brother... Was it Brother Wano said he was old and well stricken in years? That means he was really old. And it says, but Abraham not being weak in faith. What is faith? Faith is the gift that God has given you to look to him to draw strength. That's what faith is. Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong. He drew strength. 
He was rejuvenated. He was refreshed. He was invigorated. He was strong in faith. Giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that he, that what he had promised, he was able also to perform it. See, he drew his strength from the faith that God had given him. It goes on to say that, that it was faith. Uh, we're back in Hebrews 11. It was faith. It was, this, it was this source of strength that Abel had to offer a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. It was faith that Enoch had. That, uh, that, that It was the strength. See, see, faith is a supernatural thing that comes from God. And it was this supernatural source of strength that is our faith that, that he could be translated, that he should not see death. It says, by faith, in verse 8, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place when he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Abraham's got to leave his father, his mother, everything that he knows behind. How are you going to do that? The only way you're going to do that is you've had some strength, right? And the only place you're going to get that is by faith in God. And he says, by this faith, God went out. Or, or Abraham went out, not knowing where he was going to go. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him. Uh, or the, the, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith, verse 11, Hebrews 11, 11, speaking of Sarah, through faith also. How did Sarah, at what is it, 90 years old, how did she have the strength to bear a child? It says through faith, through the substructure, through the source of strength, faith in God, also, Sarah herself received strength. Do y'all see that? She, God is our what? Strength. She received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged, not, she, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Go back up to verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, Moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. Do you ever think about Noah, what he had to go through? Here's Noah. I don't know if he had any experience building boats before. I, I doubt there was a YouTube channel at that time that told him how to do it. But here he is. He's saying, he's telling people, He's telling his sons, his daughters-in-law, he's, he's telling his family, you know, what are you doing, Dad? Like if, if, if the kids came home one day and I was in the backyard building a boat, that'd be a good question, right? What are you doing, Dad? And he would say, well, it's, God's about to flood the earth with rain and we're going to need this to survive and he's going to send all the animals to me and we're going to be the, we're going to be basically, God's going to use us to save uh, humanity Y'all say, we need to go to Bryce. This guy's crazy. <laughs> and then they would, not only your family, your, let's say you could win over your family. What would the people that used to know Noah say? This guy's gone mad. This guy's crazy. Well, I want to tell you this. If you commit your life to God and to his church, you're going to say things, do things, live your life in ways that people at the water cooler at work or people at the ball field or people in your school or people uh, in your community groups are going to say, this guy's lost his mind, he's gone crazy. And it's going to take a lot of strength for you to make it. 
Our goal is to persevere, isn't it? I want to, at the end of my days, I, I hope y'all lay me right up here and say, at least this guy, he persevered. <laughs> that's, my, that's my hope for my life. But I can tell you this, I can't do it and you can't do it without a strong reliance on God. And he says it was by faith that Moses did that. We won't look at, first, at 2 Timothy. At 2 Timothy, you know, Paul tells Timothy, he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind, of power and love and of a sound mind. And then in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1, he says that you need to find strength in the grace of God. You can find a lot of strength in the grace of God. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Back to Psalm 46, he says, God is our refuge and our strength. <laughs> a very present help in trouble. <laughs> Just gets better, doesn't it? He is at hand. Paul said he'd be not far from all of us. He is a very present help. I was reading to Bo and Every Grace on the, on the, in the car on the way over here uh, from, uh, I believe it's 1 Kings chapter 18, where Elijah goes before the prophets of Baal. <laughs> and, you know, they put the bull and they cut the bull and they put the bull on the wood. And he says, Call upon Baal, call upon your false God that he'll rain down fire from heaven and consume this offering. And they cry and they scream and they end up cutting themselves and they jump on the altar that they've built and nothing happens. <laughs> and I like Elijah because it says Elijah then begins to mock <laughs> the prophets of Baal. And he says, he says, is your God asleep? Is your God, and he says this, has your God gone on a journey? Has he gone away where he can't help? I'm going to tell you, aren't you glad that we have a God that is very present to us? He doesn't go on a journey. He can be in Africa, and he can be in America at the same time. You know, the devil's not like that. The devil's roaming to and fro, seeking who may devour. But even if the devil, even if the devil comes to your house tonight, you can be assured that God is there. He's a very present help. He is there. He is the God who is there. He said, uh, the writer of Hebrews in chapter 13 says that God, the, the promise that, of God that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Your bank account can be drained. Your health can go south. Your church can split and die. But God will always be with you. He is our help in time of need, isn't he? He is our help in trouble. You know, one of the things about God is that he has been presence. His presence has been in my life long before I ever recognized his presence in my life. I love that. I love to think back on where, where I could be and where I am. And the only thing I can tell you is that it was God's presence protecting me. He said, he said in Matthew chapter 18 that where two or three are gathered in my name. He's talking about church discipline and that, by the way. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. He told his disciples as he commissioned them to go out and preach the gospel in Matthew chapter 28. He said, lo, I'm with you always. Not always, it says always. That is in all times and in all circumstances, even to the end of the world. God says, I will be with you. Psalm 23, I, we're probably all familiar with that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The, 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 the scariest thing that could face mankind. And whatever your valley of the shadow of death may be, 
And we've all, we've all been through those valleys, haven't we? We've all, we've all experienced some things. And if you haven't, you will. Whatever that may be. Listen, I, I want to be, the, the opportunity to you be, for you to be just like David is there. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? He says, for thou art with me. Whatever you're going through, and, and look, people are going through bad things. People are going through uh, hard times. That's just true of life. But whatever you're going through, the promise is that there is a very present God who is going through that with you. And He's your refuge. He's your strength. He, that, that word help means He's your aid. God's not... See, God's not with you to observe how you're going to do it. God's there to help. I mean, we, we had the wing ding yesterday, and Brother Mike, he's, he couldn't be here today. He got there, I think, 6.45 to start. I didn't get there to 1. I'd have got there later if I'd have known there was so much work to still do. <laughs> and I walked up, and Mike said, I've been waiting on you. Here's your gloves. <laughs> Pull some chicken. Now, if I'd have, if, if, and, and everybody pitched in that was there, if we'd have been there to observe, it wouldn't have been very good for us to be there, would it? We were there to help. God's not there to observe your life. God's there to help you in your life. Do y'all see that? He's a very present help. He's an aid. He's there to help you. He says he's a very present help in trouble. Adversity, affliction, anguish, distress, tribulation. Whatever your trouble may be, the, the, by, the, by the authority of the Word of God, it says that God, your refuge and your strength, is there with you to help you through it. I love that. When Abraham had drew back that knife about to slay his son, God was a very present help, wasn't he? When he found that ram caught in the thicket. When Israel was trying to escape Egypt, and there was a roaring army on one side and a sea on the other, God was a present help, wasn't he? Those three Hebrew boys were thrown into that fire. God was right there in the midst with them. He was in the, he is in the lion's den. And he'll be there. For, I don't know what your trouble is. But I can tell you, you can leave here today assured that God will be there with you. And he may not work it out the way you've planned. <laughs> Probably none of us are where we thought we'd be ten years ago, are we? But God's so merciful, providential in our lives, caring for us. That yet we're here today. If you're here today under the sound of the gospel in an air-conditioned room with good food to eat in just a minute and good people that love you and will pray for you, that's the providence of God, isn't it? That's the mercy of God. That's the grace of God. That's the love of God. Let's finish with the book of, of Hebrews chapter, chapter 4. We spent a lot of time in Hebrews today. It says this. It says, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then... That we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Whenever your time of need is, whenever your time of trouble is, there is a God who is there with you, 
waiting on you and has given you the authority to come bold. I believe God wants us to pray bold prayers. Do y'all? I believe God wants us to live bold lives. Uh, that's, that's what he was telling Timothy in 2 Timothy. God doesn't want you to cower in fear, but God wants you to be bold. And we can come before him with bold prayers. We, God, God loves to answer prayer. God, whatever's going on in your life, God is waiting there to help you. He's not over here and you've got to come to him. He's a very present help in your time of trouble. And I will say, that I'll close with this. Nothing is too big and nothing is too small to take to your God. He, he is, God, that is what's so mind-blowing. This God that is infinitely above all that we can ever think, that passes knowledge, is intimately concerned with the minute details of your life. Isn't that amazing? That's the God we serve. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the many blessings of life. We thank you, God, that you are our refuge that you are our strength and that you stand ready, willing, and able to help us in our time of trouble. May you bless us with open doors in this community that others would come in among us and find the rest that we found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Brother Joshua, do you have a hymn that we can sing? Number 192. We'll, um, we'll sing number 192.